I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. Being able to now actually hold those at arm's length and not get caught up in those stories and to know that just because my brain said it doesn't make it real or true. As you always say, like, it's not like it's gone. It's not like it never starts up (laughs) and starts yelling at me. But now it's actually possible to just go, I don't need it. We don't need to go there today and just hold it at arm's length and go, okay. That was the thing. And, you know, it doesn't make it real. It doesn't make it true. And just be, yeah, a lot more kind to myself. This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 323. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. I'm especially delighted today because I have three clients on. These are three women who have been through my program, The Mentorship. And I just want to say this real quick. Even if you decide that the mentorship is not for you for whatever reason, my hope is that you listen to these women and get motivated and inspired about the action that they took to change their lives. Maybe it's another program that you think is better for you. Maybe you're just not ready for it yet. I hope that you are because I would love to have you. (laughs) But if nothing else, I hope that you find inspiration through their stories and what they have been able to walk away with. Almost a year later, because I did not record these right when we were finished, right when we were fresh out of it and they were still sort of had it, had it coming out of their pores. No, this is almost a year later and I will just allow them to speak for themselves in this. The mentorship is currently open for applications. You can head over to yourkickasslife.com slash mentorship to read a little bit more about it and fill out your application. Here's kind of a little insider information I wanted to give you about these three short interviews that you're about to hear. I did not coach these women in any way, shape, or form. They came on, I asked them the questions, and I didn't know what they were going to say. So some interesting patterns emerged, only one of which I'm going to point out. And it was just so exciting to me that they, I think it was at least two of them, mentioned values. Here's my hang up about teaching values. I make up a story that, oh my gosh, values is so unsexy. People aren't going to want to read about it or learn about it or hear about it. And it is like one of those things that's so foundational, that's so important, but it's just a little unsexy, I feel like. And when I wrote How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, I went back and forth with, should I put that chapter, which is chapter 15, should I put it in the beginning? Or should I put it at the end? And I went back and forth with my editor about it, and we ultimately decided that it made more sense to go at the end because I wanted to tie it up and tell you, okay, now that you have identified yourself in all of these chapters, probably, or at least some of them in that book, you know, the perfectionism, the people-pleasing, the isolating, the numbing out, guess what the solution is? Because if you're participating in any of those behaviors that I just mentioned, I'm pretty sure that it's not a value of yours to be a chronic people pleaser, to be someone who numbs out instead of courageously walking through hard times and your feelings. 
So if you're honoring your values and you know what they are, it's not that you're not going to do those behaviors anymore. It's just that you're going to recognize them faster and be able to choose something that lines up with the woman that you want to be. You guys know, I mention this all the time. I talk about it ad nauseum. My fear was when I wrote the book, as someone who's raising her hand over here, who sometimes only reads half of a self-help book, I was so worried that some of you might not get to the values chapter. So I mean, I lost sleep over this, y'all. I want you to know how much this matters to me. And I was just elated when in these interviews, a couple of them mentioned how important that values module is, which by the way, it's module number one in the mentorship. It's the very first thing we jump into. It's one of those things that's not super vulnerable. That's another reason I wanted to put it at the beginning, but you will hear them talk about what that meant to them. All right, I'm going to shut up and let these women speak for themselves. So without further ado, here is Dana, Kelly, and Millie. Dana, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to talk to you again. I know. It's always a pleasure to, to catch up. And I selfishly love these quick little interview talks to be able to, to see what's going on now in your life almost a year later after the mentorship masterclass that you were in. So like the other women, I would love to know you know, how did you decide to push sign up now? Did you, were you a podcast listener? Did you read one or both of my books? How did you come around into the community? I was a podcast listener. I first heard you speaking on a recovery podcast and I was like, I need to go and check out this woman's work a little bit more deeply. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then I listened to a couple of episodes and then I obsessively listened to all of the episodes that had come before and bought both of your books. And when I read How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, I was like, "Uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is she spying on me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, seriously. It was hilarious in a not very funny, rather sad and tragic way. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was kind of identifying with uh, with every chapter. And when you asked us at the beginning of the Mentorship Masterclass, like which one of these jumped out at you the most, I was like... Hmm. I've kind of put stars next to about nine of them. I think nine the first time I went through mm-hmm. and was like, which ones of these mean like really stand out for me anyway? So well, that's fairly yeah. typical it, for what it's worth. <laughs> that's fairly typical. Sometimes I get people who are like, oh, there was these three or four, but for the, and a lot of them overlap. So I think that that's why yeah. you had nine. Well, clearly I'm your demographic. Yes, clearly you were. And I, I'm curious, you know, j- because there's there, it is kind of a broad spectrum all of the chapters of how to stop feeling like shit and the info page for the mentorship covers mm-hmm. a lot. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about a quote unquote straw woman, but there's a lot of different things that I, that we cover, you know, even in the curriculum alone. So what do you feel like were the things that you were struggling with the most, like from a practical level in your life? Yeah. So the biggest thing was I've been feeling really lost and without purpose and really kind of having a bit of a, I don't know. I hesitate to say identity crisis, but that was what it felt like. like, Was it like a midlife crisis? It really was. It did Mm -hmm. feel like that. And it was kind of, okay, I had very intentionally chosen to focus on roles of wife and mother. And although I'd always worked part-time, it had ended up being a job that um, it had been useful, but I hadn't I'd been contracting and working self-employed for 12 years and doing the same thing for that whole time. So not moving forward because I was just contracting out services. And I got to the point where I just hated it. And I was like, I cannot do this anymore. But what else can I do? I don't know about anything else. I can't do anything else. And anyway, I'm stuck in this whole role of wife and mother and it's what I need to do right now because there aren't really any other options. And I just kind of talked myself let myself talk myself into being very, very stuck Mm -hmm. and feeling at the same time, really kind of conflicted about that, that parenting role, Um, feeling like I wasn't doing it as well as I should be. And I wasn't patient enough and present enough and grateful enough and all of that stuff. So I just kind of got myself into this First of all, feeling this kind of stuck, lack of purpose, lack of direction, like who am I if I don't have a job and achievements and all that stuff and really believing that story of having self-worth tied to achievements Mm -hmm. and then really beating myself up for that because at the same time, outwardly, my life was absolutely the best it had ever been and I was like, I am so, so 
privileged and so lucky to be able to make these choices and be in this situation. How dare you be sad and resentful and lonely and Mm -hmm. not feel the value of it? Like how very dare you? Is it fair to say you were feeling stuck and lost? It sounds like you didn't use that word, but it sounds like that was what it was. And then you were beating yourself up for feeling that way? Completely. Okay. That's a pickle. That is a shit pickle. (laughs) It is. It was pretty ugly. And I really got to the point where I absolutely believed all of the horrible things that my own brain was telling me. And I couldn't get any, I couldn't get any separation from it. Like I could not um, hold it at arm's length. And I believed everything that, that I told myself about how I'd failed and how I was failing my kids and providing them with a terrible um, example of how to live their lives. But I've, mm-hmm. I've, I have a son and a daughter and I was like, I'm providing them both with a terrible gender traditional role model. And this is not how I set out to live my life. And this is bullshit. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and then beating myself up about that a lot as well. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah. it was, I was not in a very happy place when I kind of found your work. Well, were you before that? Had you tried? Have you gone to therapy? Had you taken any supplements? Like, because, <laughs> like, I think a lot of times when when women come to this work in particular, because it is deeper, more transformational work, mm-hmm. they've tried other things and had some success. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was exactly like that. I used to do. I did a lot of yoga, but I also I did see a therapist, and I kind of worked through some of those. Um, issues about like trying to, to find a purpose. And I actually did, um, right around the same time that we, that I applied to the program. I also applied to go back to university and study for a brand new Mm -hmm. career, Mm -hmm. um, which came out of the, the kind of, um, therapy process. So I was just embarking on that. And I remember one of the conversations that you and I had, um, when we were going through that application process. And I said to you, I don't feel right now like I've got the tools to make the most of this um, opportunity and I need to work through some of this other stuff and find more um, self-worth and confidence and get away from some of the kind of numbing behaviors and chasing external Mm -hmm. validation and so on so that I can just really do the best I can possibly do as I kind of start over and do a midlife career pivot and um, yeah yeah absolutely and hopefully be kinder to myself and more compassionate with and still and about and still be a great mom as well and still be present with them with my family and everything else so yeah that was my goal you and I had like a, a the former program, there was one-on-one calls included, and you and I talked, I think, for a long time. So to me, you're more of an extrovert, like very social, but when in mm-hmm. this group of online women, and you were way on the other side of the world, <laughs> did you feel nervous or like, what was it like walking into an online group of strangers talking about like kind of your deepest, darkest secrets? Yeah. Do you know what's funny? Actually doing the work in a community of women was one of the things that was most attractive to me about it. Um, obviously if you're in therapy, it's generally just you and the therapist in a room. Mm -hmm. And so that's great for doing some deeper work. But one of the things that I really, um, felt like was one of the most valuable things for me was that kind of shared humanity it was the, you're not alone. You're not the only person who feels this way. Um, you're not the only person who struggles with some of this stuff. And we're all here to support each other and hold each other accountable and pick each other up and cry together and laugh together and everything else. And so actually quite the opposite. That was one of the things that I actually found really attractive about doing it because there is that little bit of an anonymity. It's not like I was sitting around with all my close friends pouring my heart and soul and that would be a kind of a different kind of vulnerability. Um, So yeah, that was actually one of the really positive um, things that drew me to the program. Okay. Because I know some people have never done anything like that before and so they hesitate a little bit, but that's why I always like to ask. So tell us what was one of your biggest takeaways from the mentorship. So I loved doing the values work 
Yay! And I, I absolutely, <laughs> I loved goodness. doing that. Yeah. And it was one of the things that really did get me in touch with what I wanted my kind of career purpose to be about and how I was going to go about um, pursuing that and what that was going to look like. So really getting that. And I went, I took a very cir- circular route to it. And I, you know, my first draft was like 87 million things down on paper um, <laughs> until I kind of got them organized into some themes and then priorities and then kind of got this list of um I don't know eight or ten I think down well I always get the question like how many values can I list that are my values or my aspired values and I'm like you can have as many as you want you know I work with a bunch of overachievers so I'm not going to limit you so you took that to the extreme I love that (laughs) I may have um but there were a lot of things that I was like this is really important to me and this is this shapes my life and Mm -hmm. it it just either describes me right now or it describes where I want to go and what I want my life to be about or how I want to be showing up either for, for people or for the world more generally, um, (laughs) somewhat more grandiose manner. But yeah, that uh, that was really, really helpful. And it sets the scene for so much other stuff, kind of relate things back to that values work as you went through. Mm -hmm. And then there were some really fun individual assignments as well. I loved uh, I, I hate if, I hope I'm not doing a spoiler and I love the playlist assignment and the that was so fun to do as do a Do you still listen to yours? Yeah, I do. Oh good. I, I still listen to mine too. Mine changes often and I update it. And I also I stole songs from everybody else. Of course that happens. Yes. Because <laughs> you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't think of that song. Yes. Yeah. I won't I tell like, anybody oh, anymore. Good. But yes, that that comes up I think maybe in like the fourth module we we work on a very specific playlist. But I, I'm gonna kind of jump in and, and I I know you know I don't want to I know you do want to keep some privacy here, but you did mention one of the tools that you used recently, and and, and please know you don't have to tell this story, but you mentioned that um, you had a difficult moment and <laughs> you know that it was one of your unwanted identities, and that's one of the modules we cover. Yes, and it wasn't subtle. It was abs- It literally was spoken to me exactly the way my negative self-talk says mm-hmm. it to me. Mm-hmm. and In real life. In real life. Yeah. The way that I reacted and the way I was able to kind of calm myself and, uh-huh. um, and, and then <laughs> <laughs> and only explode a tiny map. No, no, not even. And actually just kind of approach that. And one of the things that you say a lot, you say it in the podcast a lot, and you said it a lot to us was get curious. Yeah. And ask the questions like, what if that wasn't true? Or why, why is that? What's underneath that? What's all of that kind of stuff? And so actually being able to sit down and kind of go, where did that come from both for myself and for the other person and dig underneath it and really talk about why, like, you know, why I would be so triggered by that mm-hmm. and then actually show up for both myself and for the other person in a way that I was really proud of. And I think yeah. actually ended up doing good for both of us and for mm. our relationship. And it was, um, I think if that had happened a year ago, it would have been a very different story. Yeah. yeah. Not to say I it didn't think- hurt in the moment, but it sounds to me like you were able to sort of um, look at it more objectively and before you reacted poorly. and and like you got I love that you got curious about it oh it's my favorite I actually I left the room and went and just sat with it for a minute good and before I rather than reacting in the moment which definitely is what would have happened a year ago and then I wanted to tell you another quick story which was a funny thing that happened it wasn't funny actually funny not funny funny at the time Mm -hmm. it's yeah yeah so I started doing uh, my degree last year and it had all been going really, really well. And I was, I had a 4.0 GPA and I was really, nice. yeah. So I was really happy. And then in the last module I did last year, I actually failed one assignment. Okay. And I haven't failed a thing for quite a long time, uh-huh. <laughs> in quite in quite such a objectively true way. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I would have made that mean that I was a failure. I would have made it mean that this was, I was on the wrong track, that Mm. this was not going to be right for me, that I was not good enough. And um, I I would have made that a really big thing as opposed to, wow, I just didn't really connect with the instructions for the assignment that well. And I interpreted it in a different way. And clearly that's not what they wanted. And 
I need to refocus and really think about things more deeply and really mm -hmm. read the instructions very carefully and so on. And so, yeah, I, that was another moment that was really kind of a turning point for me. And I was actually able to sit there and go, you know what? This is okay. This is a learning experience. Yeah. And it does not mean that I am a failure and it doesn't mean that I cannot oh pursue gosh. this career. <laughs> Oh, God, that's so exciting. I mean, I'm sorry that you failed. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. And because honestly, afterwards, I was like, you know what? I'm, it, it, I took 0.2 off my GPA, but it's okay. I'm still in the higher, high distinction category. Yeah. And I literally, this, this, the, having started back this year, I am knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh my God. I remember when you came I, and, and told us that you were, that you had gotten accepted to the program and that you, you there's actually been a handful of women in their forties from my program that have, have gone back to school after, I don't know what it is, something in the water, but I, I, I love that so much. And it sounds like, and before we started recording, one of the things that you said was that your level of self-compassion has, you know, it, will you explain it? I don't want to put words in <sighs> Frankly, Andrea, I had none. Yeah. Prior to, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, sort of prior to doing this work, like I literally had had none. I everything was my fault, and and I was quite convinced that I was ruining everything, and and that it was all very dark and and pointless and useless. I'm really glad to know that that's not true. <laughs> Here's what I remember: is that you were sort of like. Um, you were just like fraught with anxiety. Like that's, mm. that's what I remember. And, and not anxiety from just like a generalized standpoint, but more specifically within these different relationships in your life. And, and mm -hmm. I remember you talking about specific instances. I was like, well, I made this mistake. And so this whole thing is my fault. And I'm like, well, you know, like, <laughs> that, like, you know, let's look at this a little bit different way. And, and of course it's easy for me to look at that and other people in the group, like, well, maybe it's not all your fault and, and things like yeah. that. Stuck in it. I really was. I was absolutely living in that negative self-talk story, like um, all of them. And mm -hmm. being able to now actually hold those at arm's length and not get caught up in those stories. And to know that just because my brain said it, doesn't make it real or true yeah. when, because it, it, as you always say, like, it's not like it's gone. It's not like it never starts up right, right. <laughs> and starts yelling at me. But now it's actually possible to just go, hmm, interesting. Um, I don't need to, we don't need to go there today yeah. and just hold it at arm's length and go, okay, that was a thing. And, you know, it doesn't make it real. It doesn't make it true. 
and just be yeah a lot more kind to myself and it's been a, a real journey that 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 piece and uh, not saying that I'm perfect at it now but it's been that's definitely been the biggest kind of I guess internal mm-hmm. gain yes I'm so, even oh my god that's that that part is huge and I and I know that a lot of people listening really really struggle with that and and I'm glad that you also said you know, it's not perfect. It's still something because it's a practice, you know, I still have to work on it too, but it's just, I always say, it's just like learning a new language. You have to continue to practice it in order to speak it fluently and you'll get better and better at it. It's not that you're never going to make mistakes when you're speaking, you know, and, and, and I make mistakes and English is my native language. You know, it's, it's, just, <laughs> it's one of those things that it's, it really is about just strengthening the muscle of self-compassion. And I think that it can, it can, self-compassion can get overlooked a lot um, by people. But if you are in that place where you are really beating yourself up a lot and feeling and finding fault in everything in your life, that will keep you spinning your wheels and staying stuck and feeling lost and not knowing what the answer is. If you get nothing but self, we do a lot more than self-compassion, but if you just get that, that has the capacity to change your life. Completely. It just feels better. It does a hundred percent, but yeah, just kind of working through all of those things. Like some of the other ones that were really big for me were like some of the kind of numbing out and running away, hiding out, um, catastrophizing and, Mm -hmm. um, all of those kind of behaviors that are in, um, in your book that I was able to just kind of look at in a different way and really change my relationship with, food and alcohol and some of the other things that were like my crutches and where, where I hid when I didn't want to feel a feeling yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> that those were other things that by, by building that self-compassion muscle, you then have the tools to go and deal with all of that stuff and change yeah. some of those behaviors. And as you always say, the stuff that works until it doesn't. Yeah, it works until it doesn't. And I, I just wanted to applaud you too for, for doing the hard work and showing up, even though, um, you know, the time zone was hard for you and the, the, um, the exchange rate because <laughs> it's in us dollars. Like I know there's all these, these obstacles and you made it work. And I just appreciate you so much. And thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story. And is there any last words that you wanted to share? I don't want to cut you off if you had something else that you wanted to share. No, that's fine. I just wanted, I actually just wanted to say as well that I really appreciate the direction that your work has gone in in the last year as well. And I, I, I loved all your older podcasts and, you know, the, the interviews that you did and your kind of one woman sound offs and everything else. But I've really, really been enjoying some of the things you've done recently that have been getting a bit more political and, um, really kind of speaking truth for women out in the world and, um, I love that work that you're doing and I appreciate all of your support and your compassion and the work that you do. And I think that there are just so many of us women in our forties who benefit from being in a supportive environment like that and really being able to kind of free themselves from some of these knots and ropes that we've tied ourselves in over the last 20 odd years or whatever. So thank you for your work. Well, thank you for saying all of that. And it's, and it's, yeah, it's women in their forties and thirties and twenties and fifties and sixties. Like they're, they're really all over the gamut. And, um, I, I just think very few women are exempt from these struggles. And again, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking about yours personally. I know that you probably spoke to many people who can relate to a lot of, of what you said. And so thank you again for being here. <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. It's great to be here. I'm excited to have you. And, and really where I like to start with this is I think it's helpful for people to, to know what was your journey from you know being someone who was interested in personal development to joining a group like the mentorship? Because it is, it is a bit of a big leap to go into um, a group and dynamic and curriculum that is sort of on the deeper end. So were you like a podcast listener? Or what did that look like? Well, uh, about this time last year, I started listening to more and more and more podcasts. Um, and you happened to be on somebody else's the first time I heard you. And then I started listening to your podcasts religiously. And mm-hmm. I loved the energy and loved all of the topics that you had brought up. And I just felt like you were somebody that I could resonate with. And truthfully, somebody that sounded like a friend that I could have. Um, but 
all of the podcasts, I learned a ton and I was like, this is great. So once you mentioned the mentorship program, I um, immediately jumped at it and I was almost too late, but I snuck in and got in at the very last minute. That's right. You did. You snuck in at the last (laughs) minute. So what were, like when you, like if you think back about a year ago and you think about where you were at, because I know you were not brand new to personal development. You had been on this path for a little while, but where were you struggling the most where you felt like this particular program I want, I want it to help me with that. Um, you know what? I just felt completely stuck in life. I felt like I was getting older and I didn't know what the hell I was doing with my life. And I didn't even know where to begin or how to get going anywhere. But I knew that I wanted to do something and I just could not seem to work myself through any of it. Um, and I had a lot of fear and a lot of a lot of limiting beliefs about myself. And so a lot of things that I had had to work through, um, you know, and I had been in therapy and things like that, but, but there was just still something that was missing. And I really, Mm -hmm. I, I, this program ended up being perfect for that. Well, and it's, it's interesting because I hear that a decent amount that, you're, you're, you know, you're consuming personal development and things like that, but, and, and there's so much at your fingertips, right? There's so many personal development books and podcasts and free downloads and, and, you know, digital programs that you can do that are self-paced. But then I hear over and over again, people say, I don't know where to start. So they, it's like the, what is it called? Like, um, paralyzation through over, I, I can't remember what <laughs> it, it, it's true. oversaturation, you know, mm-hmm. it's true. You, you know that you need something, but you, you don't know what, and it, it can be completely overwhelming because you could sign up for yeah. 80 million things and none of them could be right. Right. They could be helpful, but, but just not, not exactly what you needed to get get to where you yeah. need to go. Well, what do you think was, you know, I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit, you know, cause, cause of what you just said, what do you think was your biggest takeaway or biggest takeaways from the mentorship? Cause it's been, a, it's been a full year now, almost a full year since we ended. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned so, so much from not only, first of all, I was terrified that I was going to be getting on a zoom call in front of a bunch of women. And I make everybody um, get on video, which is even more vulnerable. Yes. I know. I know. Yes. And and I like, I had kind of not had the greatest like friendships going on. And I think I was kind of in transition with all of that too. And I was just like, great, I'm going to be sitting with a bunch of women who I don't know. And, you know, you automatically start thinking everyone's judging everyone. And that, you know, what couldn't have been farther from the truth. I think that my biggest takeaway was, was not only the, the things that I did individually going through all of the lessons, but listening to each and every one of the women in the group when we would do our talks and our calls and then hearing, you know, what you would say to help them kind of work through their stuff. I mean, it was just incredible how much I actually learned, not only myself, but from listening to mm-hmm. others. Um, and I think that was, that was huge. I think that I'm sure you can get so much just with the individual stuff, but I think you actually get a ton from being on with the other women. Yeah. I think when we're talking specifically about especially when we're talking, you know, a a large majority of the theme of the program is learning the steps of shame resilience. And, you know, I think it's module seven where it sort of all comes together. And I, and I, and you know, that's what the curriculum is on is about that. So when you're talking about that, sure, it is helpful to do it individually with a therapist or a coach who's certified in this work. But when you are sharing either, even if it's just anecdotes about your life or here's how I feel, uh, like it is extraordinarily powerful to be in a group like that. And I appreciate you saying that. I mean, you're not the only one who said like, that's one of your biggest takeaways from it. And it makes me so happy to hear that. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I I mean, I mean, definitely. I I mean, it just, because sometimes something that they would say, and then you would say to them would all of a sudden click for me. And it would be like, you know, all of these like little aha moments where I'd be like, oh my gosh. And I'd be, you know, racing to Mm -hmm. write it down. Um, and I think that if you didn't have that group setting, you, you wouldn't have those other moments, you know, it would just be kind of you isolating yourself, looking at this stuff and then talking it through, of course, but not, 
not quite the same without the other input yeah. of other people and different seeing yourself things. in other people's um, stories and challenges. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, exactly. you, you touched on it a little bit, uh, you know, being in an online group with other women. And I know that can be a big hesitation for someone. So had you, had you ever done anything like that before? And so if you could just say a little bit more about that experience. Uh, no, I had not. So, okay. um, I, so no, like in-person workshops or kumbayaing or anything like that. I mean, the, the only thing that I could even possibly remotely is compared to is, you know, I've been sober for a while and women's AA meetings. That would be the only okay. thing that I could even okay. remotely yeah. mm-hmm. maybe compare it to. Um, but this was totally different and I was nervous. I was pretty nervous about it. Um, mm-hmm. but the, you know what, the minute, the very first class started, I think just, just within minutes to me, it just felt really comfortable and you, yeah. you make it also very comfortable and easy, extremely easy for mm-hmm. all of us to talk to. And I, I felt more than willing to share anything that I had written down myself doing the work that you had given us out loud to, yeah. to the others. And, and then I think, you know, eventually we, we all did and we all learned again, like I was saying, from, from, from what everybody else learned as well. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I will say this too, you know, I specifically created the curriculum, you know, when I'm, when I laid it all out and looked at it, I specifically created the values module first for two reasons. First and foremost, I think that values is a foundation. Like it sets the tone, it sets the map for your own personal and unique life and what you want. What do you want? What do you want to get out of it? How you want to show up? And also because values is also one of those things that it's just kind of like, let's walk in this shallow end first before I completely throw you in the deep end. So that's on purpose. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what? Even that I felt like, oh, I, sh- I know what my values are. And then when, mm-hmm. when you sit down to do it, it, it was really, I, I really like, I, I got a lot out of it looking back. I mean, I was looking back before I spoke to you today and I was like, my gosh, that's right. Like I, I almost kind of struggled with like what I was putting as my values because um, I think that we think we know what they are, but then when we get down to it, it's like, but what are my most important ones? And what are, what are the ones that I, you know? So, I mean, that I learned a lot from each different section um, mm-hmm. of it. But again, even something is, it sounds simple as values, but it, it, it really isn't that simple. It's not. And just to give people like a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain with that particular module, it's, it's not so much about just generally speaking overall, what, how do you want to live your life? But what, what we talk about the nitty gritty of values is what are the, what are the values that that you want, that you aspire to honor when shit hits the fan, like when things are hard, you know, if you got fired, if you're going through a breakup, if, you know, you, you know, a a close friend of yours gets a really difficult health diagnosis and you have to take care of them, like, how do you want to show up? Because it's in those moments that really test us, that really make it difficult. Not that you're going to do it perfect every time, but, but those are the moments that really, um, I think at the end of the day matter so much to us is how we, how we show up. And, and that's really what we focus on. So just, just telling people a little like, here's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's just a lot of things that, that I learned that you, that I have put into practice. And, and I say practice because it, it did, it does take time to, yeah. you know, program yourself to keep doing it, but that have, absolutely changed the way I react to things, the way I think about things. And again, yeah, what, what, what values are important to you when the shit does hit the fan? I mean, it's, it's, it's all so, so extremely helpful just in everyday life. I love that you said that you learned so much about how, how to react to things. And that's what, you know, I remember I was talking when I was first creating the curriculum for this and sort of first looking at the angles of how am I going to talk about this to my audience? And somebody was asking me about it, you know, a colleague was asking me about it. And I said, well, it's what it really is at the end of the day is better coping skills. And someone, a colleague said to me, you can't sell that. Like nobody wants to buy that. And I'm like, you want to bet? Like, <laughs> like I, I work with people who have been coping a certain way. Like that's what how to stop feeling like shit really is. It's like we cope a certain way. And, and you know, you Kelly are someone who's in recovery. Like, you know, like the, all the things that we do and you know, the whole, it works until it doesn't like we get to a point in our lives where we are, we get sick and tired of reacting a certain way to things whether we're reacting to ourselves, like in our own self-talk or to other people in our relationships at work as a parent, et cetera, et cetera. 
that we want to change. Like we want to be proud of how we're showing up in these moments. And that really is, is in a nutshell what it's all about. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, w- when I like went through this work and realized truthfully the way that I was talking to myself and, and the, and how that that was leading to the way that I was reacting and different things. I mean, it just, it all has, has made it different. It's such a huge change and you, and you, and you have to put it to work and you have to, you know, yeah. work at it because it, it does, again, it takes time to, to, to learn it and do it, but it is just, yeah. I mean, it becomes a practice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my hope for people is like, I want people to walk away with better coping skills, better strategies, better tools so that they don't need me in their life anymore. You know, it's just, it's, it's, I I don't want it just to be a temporary thing that when we're together in this program for three months, that's when you're on fire and things are great. Like, yes, you do have me and my team at your disposal to help you, but I wanted people, that was my hope is like, I want to give people a toolbox so they can walk away and have these things long after we're done together. Yes. And you know what? I think that that was the difference for me with your program was that, uh, that I, that it, it wasn't just while I was reading your book or while I was doing this work, it, it is something that has stuck with me. Whereas I, you know, there's so many, there's so many things out there and so many books and so many programs, but again, not all of them you can just keep, keep using. They're, they're great. You listen to it, but it doesn't stick as something that you can use throughout life. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's just been, that to me was what made such a huge difference. I'm so glad to hear that. You Thank you for sharing so candidly and, and for sharing your experience and your perspective. Is there any other last takeaways or anything that you learned that you wanted to share with the listeners before we say goodbye? Um, I don't think offhand, just that I can just say that this is something that truly, um, <laughs> when I look back to a year ago, it, it has made made a huge difference in the choices that I've made and the the, the the path and journey that my life has continued on. And I'm, and I'm super grateful for, and I'm super grateful for you. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. I appreciate your time so much and thank you. can't wait to see what else is in store for you. <laughs> Millie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. I am delighted to have the three of you on the show. Like there's few more things that delight me more than getting to talk to people that I spent three months with and got to know so well. And before I get too excited and just talk about how amazing that is, which no one really gets or cares, (laughs) (laughs) you, when you came to the mentorship and took the plunge, you were a podcast listener. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. I actually wasn't sure about that. I thought everyone was, but I wasn't sure. Yes. No, I had, I was a podcast listener first. And did you read any of my books or just the podcast? I read the book actually just before we, I, I took your uh, mentorship. I, I didn't know who you were. (laughs) I was listening to the um, recovery series that you did. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I just became a fan and started listening to you and, and then I got the book. Interesting. Okay. And then where were you at in terms of your own personal development? Like, were you at that place where you were kind of desperate for help? Were you at a place where you were just interested in bettering yourself and therapy? Like, where were you at in, in terms of your own personal growth? I mean, I had done, you know, a little bit of everything, um, some talk therapy, a lot of reading of self-development. I was a huge Hay House listener and Hay House mm-hmm. fan. Um, so those were um, kind of like my my base as far as self-development. And um, at the time that I started uh, listening to you, I was in early recovery. So um, your series was really helpful. Um, and I just was at a point where I needed to work on certain things, but I wasn't even quite sure what that was until I heard uh, your podcast uh, where you interviewed people who had taken your mentorship. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. 
Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so it's come full circle. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's come full circle. Yeah. And here you are. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I'm interested, do you remember what what I heard? Was it something that one of those women said? Yeah, like where you were like, oh my gosh, I'm struggling with that too. Yes. Um, actually, both both people you had on um I connected with. Um, one of them talked about how she had done so many different things like I did, how she had uh, done a lot of self-development and often had started things that she didn't quite finish and mm-hmm. had some guilt around that and, and feeling bad about that. And I was like, oh my God, that's me. And also they both talked about uh, working on shame. It was really, I mean, I had listened to Brene Brown. I had, I don't think I had read her book yet. And so it was, it just really piqued my interest and, um, and I, I just wanted to learn more. And I, and I really felt that it, it, everything that they talked about was something that I needed to work on at that point. Interesting. I'll drop that link in the show notes for people who are interested in hearing. I had, I had two women on Carissa and Courtney and you know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that about shame. And I think that what happens with a lot of people is that they resonate so much with the messaging that Brene talks about, about connection and vulnerability. And they're like nodding their heads and yes, I struggle with this. And yes, okay, I I believe you that this is the the way to have more happiness and connection in my life. But then that's where it ends. Right. And the like quote unquote shame work feels either scary or just like this ambiguous almost like esoteric, like weird mystery. Like what do we we actually do? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do we actually do? Well, had you, I know that you had mentioned that you'd done some talk, talk therapy. Had you done anything else to try to get a resolution? I know that you had, I mean, I I don't mean to be like glib about it, but like you had tried drinking. That was one (laughs) way. Well, right. And coping mechanisms. Right. And actually that's another thing that, that, uh, one of the ladies talked about, or maybe both, they, both of them did. I can't remember, but, um, yeah, numbing, um, and, and, and isolating. And I think those were, mm-hmm. I know that those were the two things that I was really struggling with. Um, I mean, I was in early sobriety, obviously in early recovery. I mean, there are other ways that you numb, you know, eating, watching, you know, binge watching TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I definitely thought that that was something I needed to work on and also isolating, uh, not having yes. that connection with, with other women, with friends. Um, and that was definitely something that I wanted to work on. I mean, I, I had done other programs, but I still didn't find that, that type of resolution that, that, that that connection that I needed to you. It's, it's funny because now that you're saying that, you know, there, I don't remember the ins and outs 
the details, the intricate details of every single person. But now that you say that, now it's all coming back to me about you specifically. Do you, re- I remember a couple of things that I made you do, but I don't want to throw you under the bus if you want to <laughs> keep your privacy intact. Do you mind sharing and do you, re- or do you remember anything specifically that I gave you as assignments to do? Um, yes. Um, and, and, and I think that was another thing that really, you really uh, held us accountable and, um, and, even though sometimes I think I was like super busy and I was trying to like, sure, not, you know, I didn't know how to, to make the time, but yes, you, one of the things that, um, I did was, uh, reaching out to, um, people in my life that could possibly be marble jar friends, connecting with those people and, and letting them know how, allowing myself to be vulnerable enough to express uh, how much I, I wanted to connect more with them. Um, yeah. And one of them was someone who I actually, she had been my coach for a certain uh, a certain project that I was working on. Um, and I just really adored her. And I really wanted to be more than, more than that business connection, more I wanted to mm-hmm. be like her friend. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. she also taught a, an African dance class. And um, so I you know, went to one of her classes and then we ended up having a conversation about, you know, what I was doing and, and, and how I wanted to, you know, just kind of connect more with her and be closer to her. And, um, and what was really funny is that she really was like, what, I, what do you mean? I think we're, you know, like we're, <laughs> you're this, you're awesome. And I just think that we are great friends. And, you know, like she really, I think it was all in my head that okay. I had, I had that disconnect, but it definitely, and it also, you know, exposed me to the class, which was really, really a lot of fun. It just really took our, our friendship to another level. Um, and I also reached out to a friend from many, many, many years. And actually when I was going to connect with that friend, uh, she was a childhood friend. It was almost as if spiritually she was on the same, doing the same thing because she ended up mm-hmm. writing me a letter telling me how she, how much she loved me and how much she appreciated me and how she wished that we were um, just closer and, and, and uh, talking more often. And, and so it ended up just kind of refreshing and reviving our, our childhood friendship because we literally had been friends since we were little girls. Isn't that what it, wasn't it like I had given you the assignment to do it and then you hadn't done it yet, but she reached out yeah, to you first. She did. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Funny how the universe it, works. It was. It was really bizarre. And she's uh, she's a doll. And I, I I'm so glad. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I know that that's the second module that we work on is trust and friendships. And that can be difficult for for women really of of any age. I was gonna say of a certain age, but it it doesn't matter. You know, I think like once we kind of get out of that high school and college time in our lives where we don't have those built-in communities, it becomes the last thing on our priority list to nurture these friendships. And and part of shame resilience is having people that you can, as Brene says, share your story with someone who's earned the right to hear it. I call it a compassionate witness, but just this person or people who, who can meet you with empathy in times that you really need it. And that just that initial first step can be incredibly daunting and scary for people. It really is. And, and, but once you break past it, like once you gave me that challenge, I'm still doing it, you know, like I still will think of someone who I haven't talked to and like reach out to them and invite them to do something that I think they would really enjoy. And, and we reconnect and, and it's, it's, um, it's really, really a great exercise. Well, and there are littler exercises too. I don't want to scare everybody and like, make people think that I'm going to like make them reach out to you know, no, no, no. 250 people first day. Um, but, but speaking of reaching out to people, had you, like, how did it, it feel being in an online group with other women? Were you nervous or hesitant or what was your experience like? My experience was great with those women, but I, I was hesitant. I mean, it, it's, it's, I think, especially because I suffered from isolation, I think it was yeah. a little intimidating um, to go into a group like that, but it really was a great experience. I think that it was so nice to be able to identify. We were all of very diverse backgrounds, but at the same time, we had such similar uh, goals as far as what we were working on. And um, yes. we could identify with each other on a lot of different levels. And and it was great to have that uh, support and that 
that cheerleading section too, you know, Mm -hmm. when we did, you know, accomplish something or someone else holding that space for you when you're, when you're, when you're going through something challenging. I thought it was a great experience. You did a great job in gently (laughs) pulling pulling us in. I can be gentle at times. Yeah. (laughs) Well, when we do this work, oh my gosh, yes. Gentle is the only way to be. Like you, it is not about kicking ass and taking names in this particular program. Like it's definitely gentle. Uh, I just, I want to close it out with asking you, is there any other last takeaways or anything that you learned the most that you wanted to share with the listeners? I think I always, um, the thing I most remember, and I know that you had said, um, if nothing else, I want, if I bump into one of you a year from now, if you remember the steps of shame resilience, and it's something that I very much aware of being aware of your feelings, being aware of, you know, when you're in it, why you're in it and, Mm -hmm. and speaking the shame and mm-hmm. practicing mm-hmm. self-compassion. And that's You key. did it. Oh God, you make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they are. Yeah. Yeah. And fantastic. I think that's great. You know, it's funny. I just got off the phone with a client before you and I jumped on. And she also is in recovery. And we were talking about, you know, and I and I told her, I said, I'm gonna take my coach hat off here for a second and tell you from personal experience about learning how to walk through my own crisis and hard things and fires totally sober and also not disconnecting because a lot of times when we can get sober, we can still learn how to disconnect Mm -hmm. without any substances or, or behaviors. And what I told her, I said, it's a conscious choice. It's an intentional choice to feel my feelings. And I will, I always rely on the steps of shame resilience. Mm -hmm. That is how I walk because anytime we're isolating or numbing out, we're doing it in an effort to avoid shame. Like shame is always quite, kind of like that lurking, I hate to say it, but like grim reaper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 those steps have changed my life. And I, I thank Brene Brown's research for it. And and that's really the basis of this whole program. So I'm so glad you mentioned it. And I'm so happy that you still remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been almost a year and you still remember Yes, that, so. yes. I had them posted on my, on my wall for a little bit. Yeah. Until I really knew that. Perfect. I don't care if you get it tattooed on your ass, like (laughs) (laughs) you wouldn't be able to see it as well, but (laughs) thank you so much. I appreciate your transparency and, and telling people about your experience and thank you so much. All right, Ass Kickers, thank you for sticking through this. I hope you saw some of yourself in these three women who have courageously shared their story and where they were stuck and where they ended up. If you have any questions, hit us up over at support at yourkickasslife.com. We're happy to help you out. And if you fill out your application on the mentorship page and you're still not quite sure, the application does not obligate you to sign up for the program. You can still hop on a call with someone on my team who has been through the program who can answer any questions for you. I don't want you to feel pressured. I want you to feel absolutely fantastic in your decision. So again, yourkickasslife.com slash mentorship. I hope to see you in this year's round. And until next time, Ask Kickers, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, 
who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking